Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. We're on the, the next part of this Strengthening the Core series here. And today is growing in the scriptures and probably one of the landmark texts in the New Testament for the importance of scripture is right at Paul's about to end his, or he's about at the end of his life in uh, 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17. He tells Timothy, All scripture is God breathed, Theonustos, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So what we're doing here in this series, Strengthening the Core, is we're dealing with some just basic core things that we don't outgrow. In fact, maturity is doing the basics with consistency. So it's learning to to do those things. So strengthen the core. The idea is that we're getting strong here and staying strong here so that we can have balance in life. And so we don't pull muscles you know, inappropriately, that that's what happens when we're not strong in the core physically. And we're saying, hey, there's some spiritual lessons to learn from that physical truth in the natural as well. So today we're talking, we've been growing in worship, growing in prayer last week, and this week it's growing in the scriptures, growing in the scriptures. And we want to position ourselves as learners, always positioning ourselves because we're disciples. We are learners. We are growers. We don't stop. We don't arrive and stop being a disciple. We're always growing. We all have different learning styles. I get that. Some people are readers. Some people are more audio, auditory learners. Other people are really visual learners. And there's ways to digest scripture in all of those formats. There's, there's always ways for us to get God's word in us. I remember. When I first came to the Lord and really just got radically saved, I mean, just big time, I met Jesus and suddenly, it's the power of the Holy Spirit, but suddenly I had a hunger for God's Word. I wanted to read the Scriptures all the time. Just It, it got in me because I was in love with Jesus. And when you're in love with Jesus, then you want to learn more about Him. It's totally normal and ne- just supernaturally natural powered by God's Spirit to want to learn, to want to grow. And each week we've been in this series, we've been looking at, hey, there's hindrances. There are things that, that get in the way, distractions. Uh, you know, and our life, you guys, is in the end it's going to be made up of what we've paid attention to. Your life will be kind of the sum total of what you've focused on for your whole life. And so you want to just... Lord, help us with this distraction thing. I mean, even in the prayer and fasting time, just like let's men, let's let's bring the distractions down. Get off the screens, whatever format that might be. Let's 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 minimize that so that we can pay attention to Jesus, pay attention to the Word, to the Scriptures, and uh, so distractions and doubts, those kinds of things are hindrances. Helps though are ordering our lives with disciplines that help us want to read the Word that help us want to worship, that help us. So there's all kinds of, Lord, give us a a desire for a deeper walk with you. And each week we've been talking about how this is a process that involves the Holy Spirit of God. It's God working in our midst. And it's it's a process of community as well. So it's Holy Spirit 
and its community. It's, it's, and you can read the Bible by yourself, but when you do it with, in the context of Holy, the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us and, and comforting us and pointing us to Jesus, and in the context of community, it just goes so much better. I mean, community really does, it, it has a powerful way of keeping us on track. Anybody ever been to a life group and had a really bizarre conversation happen about the Bible? Two, three, a few of us. Um, and the rest need to go to life group more, probably. <laughs> I mean, I've had weird, bizarre conversations on icebreakers, but I've, I've got to press on on this time-wise. Uh, but, you know, sometimes somebody, and here's how community works. It's like somebody will say something that's just kind of bizarre or off about the Scriptures, and it's kind of quiet. And there's no like, oh, yeah, that's good. It's such like, I ain't plank. You know, it's just laying there. And then somebody goes, well. So, you know, really, I think what God's heart is there more a little bit, like he actually is a trinity, and it's, he's three in one, or, you know, just whatever the doctrine thing might be. And we help each other. Like, that's part of how truth gets down through the centuries is God's given us the church and the Holy Spirit in us to help us navigate the way forward. Make sense? So reading and studying the Word of God, immersing ourselves in Scripture, all that stuff's going to help build the core. Now, why do we trust this book? Why do we trust the Bible? It's a good question, right? And I'm going to just just kind of, there's so much to say here, but I'm going to just kind of boil it down to Jesus Christ. We trust in the Bible because we have really good reasons to believe that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Like, and I'll go through a little bit of that in a minute, but, but it's like, because our, our whole faith is centered in the event of the resurrection. He, Jesus, incarnation, life, ministry, death, three days in the tomb, raised from the dead by the power of God, walking around, seen by 500 people, over 500 witnesses, and then exalted to the right hand of God, and He's coming again. So, so we've got good reasons to believe in the resurrection because of the apostolic witness. And then, more pointedly, we believe in the Scriptures. We trust the book because Jesus trusted the book. Jesus believed in the Scriptures, and so we believe in the Scriptures. First and foremost, it's about Jesus. And I'm going to go back and make that point again in, in just a moment. But, I mean, we could do all kinds of apologetic stuff and you trace the manuscripts and, like, it's exponentially more than any other ancient document ever. I mean, just straight up. This is reliable and verifiable. It's the Word of God. The New York Times bestseller, number one, every single year is the Bible. Even though it's not listed as the number one bestseller, it is the Bible. Like 5 billion copies printed since the year 1815 of the Bible. 100 million copies are either bought or sold every single year. Nothing's even, nothing's even remotely close to that. So there is this idea, and I want to just address this, there's this idea in kind of post-fundamentalist Christianity that if I can just find one thing, people that are n not believing, if I can find one thing that's wrong with the Bible and just pull out that thing, it's like a, a card I'm pulling out and the whole house of cards comes tumbling down. And Jesus Christ, I, and I, I want to help us with that, like the Bible is infallible in the sense that it points to Jesus who is the revelation of God. 
And, and so we are putting our hope and trust in Jesus first and this Bible that points to him as this is the word of God that we read that points to the I looked right into that light. So the brilliance of the son himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of God that points to the living word of God. So I just, uh, you know, you don't just, just because, uh, let me say it this way. If perfect God becomes flesh and, and in the greatest revelation of who he is on the cross, he identifies with our sinfulness and imperfections, then it's not, it's not unfathomable for us to understand that he's going to work through humans who make mistakes and who like, like the cross is like the ultimate revelation of God and his love for us. And we can be confident that he's working through these scriptures to reveal who he really is. And we look to Jesus. Hopefully that's, that's helpful to us. And, you know, the Bible has been this, the, the scriptures are, are wonderful. And, but they, the New Testament wasn't put together formally until about the third or fourth century. And yet this oral way, the, the, the disciples, apostolic witness, sharing the good news all around the Mediterranean, all around the known world at that time, it's still the gospel goes forward. Irenaeus was the first one to really acknowledge our 27 uh, letters that are in the New Testament, the 27 books of the New Testament. And so for 1,500 years, think about it like this. Not everybody was walking around with a copy of the Bible. Excuse me. With a copy of the Bible. I don't know what that... You imagine a scroll or gigantic, you know, vulgate, you know, some kind of massive tome. And people didn't go to Starbucks and hang out with their Bibles. But in the Reformation, and in the printing press, the revolution that came there, the Bible started getting printed more. People started having more access. Right now, the Bible is almost translated in every known ethnic language in the world. We're getting really close to that happening. And the good thing, that's a wonderful thing because it helps people see Jesus. It helps people hear the gospel. It helps people know that God's got a plan to make things right in all of the earth. And that's really, really good news. The Bible has also been misused when it's not looked at through the lens of Jesus Christ. You can take Bible verses and come up with bizarre things to do. You can justify going and killing people, which is, if you look through Jesus, you wouldn't ever come up with that because he dies for his enemies. You know, you look through the lens of the cross in order to understand everything in the Bible. So, so this is, uh, it's been misused and I could give lots of examples of that. And you guys know some of those things. Like, I got a good idea. Let's go do the crusades and let's go kill people in the, in the Holy Lands and all along the way and rape and pillage. Not a good idea, right? And yet people came up with that as a, a, a biblical thing to do, you know? So, um, kind of tangent there, but so it's been misused, but it's also been unused. And so we want to be people that are just pressing in to Jesus. We want to grow. And so we want to read about him. We want to understand the story and the theology. We want to understand, we want to figure out what do we need to be doing and what do we not need to be doing. A great way to fight temptation is to have Bible verses that are strengthening our souls when we're confronted with the stuff that's wanting to drag us down. That's what Jesus did. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So here's the main thing I'm trying to say today. God's calling us 
to be disciples who practice a lifestyle of growing in the Scriptures in order to become like Jesus and join His mission in the world. Who's in for that? Amen. So I'm going to give a few points here and then we'll get to look at some practical ways to, to read Scripture. First of all, we start with Jesus to grow in understanding the inspiration of Scripture. Again, back to the 2 Timothy 3 passage, all Scripture is God-breathed. That means inspired. It's breathed on by God. It's, been, uh, it, it's authoritative. It's, it's God speaking to men and, and so that they can, it can be written down and it's useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness. So it's God-breathed. It's inspired. And again, I, I said this a minute ago, but we start with Jesus. Jesus steps into the story of Israel. Jesus, all of these different things, he prophesies that the temple is going to be torn down. And that, I mean, all that, I mean, that's an, one of the most amazing prophecies ever, you know, just that in this gen, before this generation's out, this thing's going to be torn down. There's not going to be one stone on top of another. And it happened with Vespasian and Titus and, they come in and just just raise the temple, just take it down. And then, you know, in one of the most powerful, we've talked about this lately, reinterpretations of the theology of Israel, Jesus sits down at the Last Supper on the night before he dies and says, from now on, you've been, we've been doing it one way for 1,400 years, but from now on, do this in remembrance of me, of the deliverance that I'm bringing starting tomorrow on the cross and we would not be talking about all of this if it wasn't for the resurrection. These disciples who were following him, and then he gets killed, and they stop following him. They, they denied him. But then he's raised from the dead, and then they're in, man. I mean, they are in. They see him raised from the dead, and those who were denying him are now dying for him. They lay their lives down for the one they thought was gone, but now he's raised from the dead. And it absolutely changes the world. This is the, the hinge of history. It's the resurrection, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so our number one reason then for believing, because we've got good reasons for believing that Jesus is raised from the dead and he's who he claimed to be, then his view of Scripture should be our number one impact thing for believing in the inspiration of Scripture ourselves. He believed in it. That this, all this had to happen according to the Scriptures. According to the Scriptures. According to the Scriptures. Over and over and over again. All those prophetic words, this had to happen to fulfill Scripture and His view of it. And He saw Himself as the focal point of it. And there's just, Jesus is unique in all of history. And I want to just hammer that home. He is, there's none like Him. He's God in the flesh. And so, even the Scriptures themselves, Luke chapter 24, verses 25 to 27, he's walking with the disciples after the resurrection. They don't recognize him. And he said to them, how foolish you are and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Just absolutely amazing. He is the he, he is validating this, but he's also saying it's centered in him. John chapter 5, verses 39 and 40. You diligently study the Scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the Scriptures that testify about me. And yet you refuse to come to me to have life. 
So it's focused in him. It's centered in him. And he is validating this, the, the, the God-breathed inspiration of the Scriptures themselves. This written Word is the light that we, through which the Holy Spirit empowers us to see the living Word of Jesus Christ. Okay? The second piece there. We, we start with Jesus to grow in understanding the inspiration of Scripture, but also the authority of Scripture. So again, back there with Paul, he's talking to Timothy and he says, look, this Scripture is useful for teaching and correcting and training in righteousness, for rebuking. It, it, it helps to get us lined up, to calibrated, to uh, repent when we need to repent, turn when we need to turn, to, be, to go for something when we need to go for something. It, there is authority there. Now, what exactly is that authority about? And I want to just hit this because we don't like the word authority in our country, in our culture. We were, our, cult, our, our whole nation was born in rebellion, independence, declaration of independence. And so authority is like, okay, so you're saying that's over me. And in what sense is it over me? It's over us in the sense that it represents the authority of God. By tracking? So, so God breathed into this to help us to know what His authority is actually like. Jesus, before He ascends uh, to, to heaven, He says in Matthew 28, the end of the book there, He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me, and so I want you to go make disciples. And baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so there is this, like God's got the authority. Jesus won the victory. He won the victory over sin, over death, over the devil, and he has established his reign, his kingdom. And this Bible points to that reign. It, it points to the reign of God in our lives. And so and I want to I want to be clear about what this is and isn't. The Jesus is God, the Bible is not. Does that sound like truth? Jesus, God, Bible is not. So in the beginning was the Word, not in the beginning was the Bible. And the Bible is with God and the Bible was God. No. See, if somebody said that in life group, they'd go, clank, right? No, that's not what it says. It says in the beginning was a Word, the Logos, the, the living Word, the God in the flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the Bible is more like, in that again, in that John 1 passage, the Bible's more like John the Baptist. It's pointing to Jesus. That's what makes this so riveting. Once you understand that, that that's what this is about. It's about pointing to God and God in the flesh and Jesus being the, the center point of everything in life and history and the world and creation and God and humanity and creation itself. There's one mediator between God and us. It's Jesus. So that's, N.T. Wright says it this way. And again, I've put in your outlines there, I've given you some little extra reading. If you, this is like, I know this is, we've got to put our thinking hats on today. This is like Antioch Seminary 101, just kind of a lot of heavy on the study stuff. But N.T. Wright writes a book called Scripture and the Authority of God, How to Read the Bible Today. It's a great book. I encourage you guys to, if you're like, uh, this is not deep enough for me. I need more. Then go read N.T. Wright. And you won't be 
saying that as much. <laughs> because it'll stretch you, makes you think. And that's good. We need to do that. So in, in that, in, in, uh, actually it was from a lecture, he said, the phrase authority of Scripture, therefore, is a sort of shorthand for the fact that the Creator and Covenant God uses this book as means of equipping us and calling the church for the tasks of mission and all that He has for us to join His mission. Jesus wins the battle, and now we get to get in on that as we read and imbibe and drink down and swallow the words of Scripture down into our hearts and lives. Why? Because we want to be image bearers that are joining Him in His mission on the earth. Exercising that authority. Expressing that authority. So that's the authority piece. The third piece. Then we start with Jesus to grow in understanding. Inspiration, authority, and interpretation. The, the interpretation of Scripture. Now the big word, I don't use this word all the time, but I'm doing it this morning because we're doing a little mini-seminary, um, is hermeneutics. You all know what hermeneutics means? Big word. Hermeneutics. Four syllables. Four syllables. It just it means how we understand. It's the science of understanding something. And so how do we interpret? How do we interpret the Bible? It's really a big deal. And so we talk about this. And here's the good news. I'm empowering you guys all the time. I, I'm constantly empowering you to be good readers of Scripture. Because I'm, I'm constantly telling you, you can't read the Bible and understand it apart from looking at it through the lens of Jesus Christ. You will misinterpret the Bible if you don't look through the lens of Jesus. You'll think it's a good idea to go, you know, do wars and stuff. You, you don't get that idea by looking through the lens of Jesus on the cross. And so that's a, that's a subversive deal that we get to by looking through the lens of Jesus. So what I'm hitting on here, I did the circles a few weeks ago, but the cross, Jesus Christ and the cross is dead center for us because He reveals the, the relational God, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we look right there, dead center. That's how we interpret the Bible. Dead center is Jesus. Then you've got some core truths that are dogma. This is like the Apostles' Creed stuff. Jesus, born of a virgin, died under Pontius Pilate, raised on the third day by the power of God, walked for 40 days on the earth, exalted to the right hand of God, and coming again. So that's dogma. That's, that's like non-flexible kind of teaching of the historic church. That's orthodoxy. Okay? Not just orthodoxy like the Orthodox Church, but that's, that's Christian orthodoxy. Then there's doctrines. And a lot of times people want to put their doctrines all in the middle with Jesus and dogma. And so what somebody thinks about the role of women in the church gets stuck into whether or not they're really a follower of Jesus, or if other people have a different view of that doctrine are actually followers of Jesus or not. Like, they're actually hell-bound because they have a different view of the doctrine of women role in the church. Isn't that just bizarre? Yeah, shake your head no. Just get the. <laughs> shake it off. Shake it off. And so... Doctrine. And, and, and there's things that are really important to us. Doctrines that are really important. Amen. Yes. Amen. Things that really matter. That are even unique to us, but we don't hold those over on other our brothers and sisters in the city that are saying Jesus Christ is Lord and He died for us and we want to be with Him forever, but we differ on a lot of different stuff. It's okay. Yes. 
just take a big giant swig of security and identity in Jesus Christ and drink it down deep. And, and opinions would be like, you know, that's like, I like worship the way we do it. We do it the most right of all. You know? Or, or, or they do it wrong. It's just, th- those are opinions. And, and so you've got this, there's a continuum there. And all of that's going to help us interpret the Bible. Really. It's going to help us interpret what's most important. What, what, what's, in, what's on me? What am I supposed to be living into? And then story would be another huge way. Uh, and, and I'm constantly talking about this. Anybody ever heard me say creation to new creation? Right? A few times. A few times. And so that's because that's how we want to order our understanding of the Bible is that there's a story going on here. There's a story that's going on from Genesis 1 and 2, creation, to new creation, Revelation 21 and 22. And there is an order and a connection of this story in the whole big thing. 1,600 years, 40 authors, and yet there's a theme. There's a story through it all. Creation, the fall, God's promise to Abraham and Israel, Jesus ultimately coming to make things right. And new creation's coming, but we live in this signpost time right now where we're pointing to the way things are going to be and welcoming God's future into the present. We are an eschatological people. We are a people that live in ways that point to God's future and live it out right now. So that's how we read. That's part of how we read the Bible, you know, and haven't even gotten to the themes, key themes of scripture. I mean, there's huge things that like the covenants, like where it's covenantal theology or or kingdom theology, that, that Jesus is the king. He steps back in. We talk about this stuff. But that's how you, you, you want those things on your desktop as icons that you've, you've, you're getting familiar with as you read the Bible. Just making say, like, some of you guys are like really like, oh, man, preach it. You're like theology and all that. And other guys are like, oh, I don't know, man. <sighs> uh, what else? Um, uh, salvation, salvation history. That's huge. Like what's God doing in salvation and bringing salvation to us? Or what's God doing again? The self-sacrificing love, love of God expressed in the cross. You just can't, we can't get far away from that. We're tethered right there. Yeah, you know, and that's going to help us read the Bible to understand the Bible, the Old Testament, you know, and you say, well, it, I thought it was all flat. No, it's not all flat. Like Jesus is, is towers above it. And then there's places like Ephesians that rise up like Mount Everest, Romans, Galatians. You know, these are, these are huge. John, read the Gospel of John. If you're just kind of new in the Lord or just seeking, checking things out, read the Gospel of John and say, Lord, open my eyes to see the truth in your word. Just absolutely huge. And I haven't even gotten to genres yet. I mean, when we read the Bible, we got to realize, oh my, there's like all different kinds of genres. There's, there's narrative sections, and we learn best by narrative. We think stories, and so God is so good to give us lots of stories to understand how this theology gets worked out. But then there's, uh, there's wisdom literature. There's, it's like going into a bookstore, and there's all these different sections, you know, fiction, nonfiction. you got to know what section you're in when you're reading the Bible. So there's poetry. 33% of the Bible, I just heard a stat on Bible Project this morning, that 33%, 43% is narrative, 33% is poetry. 
That's interesting to me. I wouldn't have thought it was that much. Give me some poetry, man. Come on, let's go. Um, parables. You don't read a parable the same way you read just a, a, a nonfiction description of an event. Right? So we have to think through that. Uh, there's a prophetic literature. There's apocalyptic literature. Can I get a witness on apocalyptic literature? I mean, it's, 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 you don't read Revelation. I mean, think about this. John wrote Revelation 90, 95 AD, right toward the end of the century, but he's writing in a concrete, yes, it's prophetic, but he's writing in a concrete way to encourage people right then that are living under the oppression of Rome, and he's calling it Babylon. Now, is that still applicable today? Absolutely. Anytime there's oppressive systems that have that Babylonian type of thing, we want to stand up and rise up as people and say, Jesus, you are the Lord. You've won the victory. We remember our testimony and the blood that you shed and loving not our souls unto death. And this will be overcome. I'm not trying to say everything there is to say about Revelation right here. Right? But, but, but there's, there's stuff for us right now in all of that, in all the different genres of, uh, of, uh, of Scripture. And so the question I want to encourage us to come back to is, does this interpretation line up with the Spirit of Christ? Am I believing something about this particular passage that goes against the Spirit of Christ? And again, I've, I've shared, I may have shared that with you guys. Two of my mentors from just when I first got into ministry they gave me the same word. Don't interpret the Bible in a way that goes against the Spirit of Christ. I mean, that's like the dead center of the dead center, and I didn't even know it. And it set me on a journey to help me discover the Trinity and deeper theology and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, man. And so for you extra study folks, here's another uh, classic book on interpreting the Bible by Gordon Fee, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. Last I checked, it was fifth printing been just a, a standard for hermeneutics in seminaries for years. If you want to read more, there you go. The fourth piece here is application. Application. So we look to Jesus to grow in understanding the application of Jesus. So we're reading through the lens of Jesus and we're reading with a heart of love as we read. If you look at the New Testament Basically, all the authors are going to come back to the same theme. It was the, the, the emphasis of Jesus' life, the, the, the thing he pictures most in the cross, is that disciples are going to be known by their love for other, other people. So love God, love, love for people, neighbors, love, love, love. And application then is what do we do with the words of Scripture? How do we apply this? And we look through Jesus. What does this mean in my life? What does this say about you? What does this mean in my life? How do I apply this? This is ethics. This is how we, what do we do? It's our, putting love into action in our lives is the application of Scripture. And so, you know, I can't, you know, the Holy Spirit shows us how to do this. I, I can't say, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. But the Holy Spirit will show us. He will show us. Week in and week out, day in and day out. And if we're turning our hearts to God, then it makes it hard for us to just walk uncaringly and be in sin. It just, may God give us grace, all of us, to be miserable in our sin. 
I've, I've been speaking that blessing for going on 30 years now, and I, I get mixed responses every time I say it. Like, uh, is that a blessing? Yeah, it's a, it's a blessing of the Holy Spirit to not be carefree in sin, but to be turning to, to the Lord, right? So, so here's a great question. What does God's love require of me? And there's so much more to say than that, but man, there's not less to say than that. What does God's love require of me? And it will help me in my walk with Him. It will help me in my walk with my cl the closest people in my life. It will help me in the church life. It will help me in my relationships in the city and in sco at the school and everything, all the schools, the students. Uh, so if you want to do some extra study here, here's one of my favorites. The last 15 years, I've probably read the book five times. Lee Camp. Mere discipleship, radical discipleship in a rebellious world. Okay, so let's, let's, let's finish up here by talking about some ideas for reading Scripture. Y'all ready for this? Um, so, so praying the Scriptures. Praying the Scriptures. And this is just where you, re you take a passage and you can almost... Now, if you, if you just open and do that and you end up in Second Chronicles, it may not work as good as like in the New Testament, but, but you really can pray Scripture. Just praying Scripture. You just read a phrase, I thank God whom I serve. Uh, this is the beginning of Second Timothy. Uh, as my forefathers did with a clear conscience, it's night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Yeah, Father, I just thank you for everybody that I'm working with. I thank you for our leaders. I thank you for our elders. I thank you for our leadership teams all around the church. God, I just pray for them. I want to pray with your heart in the name of Jesus. And that could be the, the diving board I'm running off to really get into some great prayer. And the church for 20 centuries has used Scripture in a devotional and worshipful way in order to pray and worship. So praying the Scriptures. Go to the Psalms. I mean, the Psalms are just great. Don Fento, my dad and the Lord calls that prime in the pump. He always starts the time with God in the... Uh, this is a pump. And uh, I had, I've never actually done it. But there's a phrase, it's, it's called priming the pump, and you had to kind of do it a little bit to order to get water out of the well. And so I thought as they... <laughs> Is everybody just like, what? Prime in the pump. What is, what is that? So Scripture memory. Scripture memorization would be another one. Uh, scripture memorization. Committing portions of Scripture to memory. Okay, so um, uh, sometimes I use note cards. This is Ephesians 1-3 to on note cards. So I can just one card at a time. You're working on a memorization. Dallas Willard said that Scripture memory was, is the most Important spiritual discipline. That's debatable. I'm reading a book right now by John Mark Comer, and he says that silence and solitude is the most important spiritual discipline, and I think he's got a, a good case there in our culture, right? As we're, I mean, just stillness, silence, solitude, not just constant newsfeed, whatever, Instagram, whatever. And uh, so scripture memory. Right now, Kim and I are doing for, uh, Second Peter. 1, 3 to 11. Uh, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He's given us His very great and precious promises so that you may be partakers of the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, add to 
your faith, goodness, and goodness, knowledge, knowledge, self-control, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, love. And if you add these in increasing measure, they'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But you keep going. The point is, it's good to... Because sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night and you go turn the light on and read the Bible. It's not the same as just sitting there. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him called us by His own glory and goodness. Right? So, memory. Bible reading. That's just where you're reading through the Bible. Uh, trusting the Holy Spirit-inspired words of Scripture as guide, wisdom, strength for life. Um, here's one that I've used for a number of years. And it's just... Uh, just uh, it's what did I call it? Uh, Bible verse for the day, and I think I got this probably 20 years ago from John Piper, maybe, and just just taking little bits of paper and cutting out and writing it real small, and then putting it in my pocket. And I'm walking around with a Bible verse that's just I'm just chewing on, and I maybe I know it, and I just put my hand in there and I touch the paper. I've got tons. I've got a handful of them here. I've got tons that never made it to the light of day. They got washed, and they're you know, they're gone. But, but this is a good thing. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. Just to be, and you pull out that piece of paper and you look at it, and then you put it in here and recycle it a few times. That's a, a, a verse for the day. A Bible verse for the issue. So this next one, for an issue. So that's like if you're struggling with an issue in life, a sin thing, or you're discouraged, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. In believing, as you trust in Him, so that you may be filled. I'm going blank. Overflow, overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Not good. We're being community together. Thank you, Maggie. Um. So, uh, so I mean, but it could be like, well, what are some issues? And and you're not shouting out your issue. So what kind of things would the Scripture, meditating on a Scripture that you're dealing with a sin issue, how would that help you? And I'll go ahead and say lust, so we can get that one out there. But there's Bible verses that are going to help you deal with that, right? What's that? Gossip. Gossip's an issue. So about the tongue, fire, James, places like that. What else? Anger. What's, what's this? Unforgiveness. Anger. Unforgiveness. Fear, anxiety, sadness, so joy, there's joy passages, all that kind of stuff. That, so you walk around with those verses and you're chewing on that stuff and it's good for your soul, right? Say, obey, share. What does it say? You read a passage, what does it say? What, does it obey? what, do, what do I obey? What do I share? We also do DBS. These are just discipleship tools that God gives us for reading Scripture together. Uh, what does it say about God? What is it? This is a discipleship Bible study. What does it say about God? What does it say about me? What do I obey? What can I share out of this with someone else? The repetitive reading. This is one that in discipling relationships down through the years has been really helpful for me. And that is take a, like a, a short section of Scripture like Colossians. So it's four chapters and you read it like five or six times in a week and then you come back together and talk about it with the person you're meeting with. Hey, what would you get out of that? I mean, uh, the first time I started doing this was with a guy and, and uh, he, I just led him to the Lord and... Uh, and we, we, we sat down, we said, okay, Galatians. And he, did, I, he, literally, he literally went to the table of contents to find out where Galatians was. And I said, it's right down there. And we got to the page number. And, but then he came back the next week and he had stuff and questions. And we had all kinds of things to talk about about Galatians. 
that great? So then, uh, so re- that's repetitive. Bible reading plans. If you don't have the Bible app and you have a smartphone, get it. Because there's like more Bible reading plans than you could ever do in your lifetime or that we could ever do in all of our lifetimes here. It's like you're, you are resourced. Just there's, there's resources out there. Bibleproject.com. If you want to go deeper and understand, it's really solid, good theological perspective on understanding books of the Bible, the Bible itself, the story, the meta narrative, all of those kinds of things. Uh, Bibleproject.com. And I, I went to, and I'll just finish with this. I went to uh, Bible Project, I think Friday, and they had an article on there. The latest blog article was called, uh, What If I Don't Want to Read the Bible? What if I don't want to read the Bible? Can't make me. What if I don't want to read the Bible? So he gives four steps. Number one, ask yourself an honest why. Why do I not want to read the Bible? What's going on? Just and th- Those are good questions. Why, wh- what's going on inside of me that I don't want to read the Bible? Well, I've just blown it a bunch, and I'm a terrible Christian, and da-da-da. Wait a minute. Just even the fact that we care means that there's a desire in there to know God's Word. And like I said at the start of this thing, I mean, part of when I came to know the Lord, suddenly I was filled with a desire to want to know Him more. And you know Him more by reading about Him and studying about Him and learning about Him. So ask ourselves an honest why. Number two, trust your spiritual instincts. And what he was saying on this one is, like, we all know when we're hungry or when we're tired, we need food or we need rest, or we need exercise. And there's the same thing applies about reading the Bible. Trust, like, trust your instincts on this. Like, if you haven't been reading it, you probably need to read it. If you're in sin about some issue, then immerse yourself there, renew your mind, get transformed in the renewing of your mind, offering yourself and reading God's Word. Um, 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 um. Uh, to trust your spiritual instinct. Sometimes we, we, we've been reading a bunch and we need to pull back and, and chew on what we're getting. Am I obeying this? Am I even trying to apply this in my life? Does that make sense? So, so trust your spiritual instincts on that and then switch things up. If I don't feel, if I don't want to read the Bible, switch things up. Read a different translation. Get, you know, get, get something fresh in front of you. I only read, then listen to it. I only listen, then read it. I, I don't like reading or listening, then watch it. You know, go to Bible Project and you, you'll get some, some that way. Or at least I, there's probably a still screen on a YouTube page of somebody reading. Maybe there's a live person reading. I don't know. Um, but just, just mix it up. If you've been reading the same passages over and over again, go to a different spot in Scripture. If you, get, if you just don't know what else to do, read Ephesians 1 to 3. <laughs> Finally, Finally, no, just when I don't feel like reading the Bible, no, it's not forever. Okay, there's seasons in our journey. Everybody's got seasons. I, I've had seasons, and there's seasons where we're hungry, we're on fire, and there's other seasons where it just, you know, we, we just we, we keep leaning in. We, we need to keep leaning in. So, so here's how I want to I want us to respond to this because there's a mixture of desire for this, but it's always mixed with discipline. Just desire, discipline, and there's joy out there, but this is where we live a lot of life when we're trying to have a breakthrough in this. And I want to just encourage us. Like, this is the core. Worship, prayer, time in God's Word, time in the Scriptures. 
So let's stand up and let's just respond to the Lord here a minute. And I think the, the response for us is just... Uh, we won't take long on this. Sorry, I've gone a little long today. Um, is this helpful, you guys? So uh, the, the, the response is... Um, the response is, Lord, where do I need a breakthrough? Because I want you, Jesus. I want to grow in you. I want to know you. I want to know you as my life. So where do I need a breakthrough? Is it desire? Then get some people to pray for you. Is it discipline? Like, help me to order some things in my life where I'm making that, that time and space. Get in agreement with your roommates or your spouse. Get in agreement about those things. It's just like spending time with God. But spending time in the Scriptures, it's, it's just a piece of this whole journey. So, Lord, would you help us here today? Lord, if we're just starting the journey, maybe we haven't even started it yet, but we, we are sensing that we want to know you more. Lord, would you bring that breakthrough? Would you bring that hunger? Would you bring that desire to know your word, to know the scriptures, to see you, Jesus, in all of it, to be transformed and to be made into your image in the name of Jesus. Amen. You guys, whatever your need is on this specific thing, come. But also, if you have any other kind of need, man, let's get prayer right now. That was so good just getting prayer for healing a minute ago. I don't, I don't feel it popping like it was. So so just let's, let's press into God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Father, meet us here today in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, whatever your need is, guys, come. Get prayer. Be bold. Press in.